Welcome to episode 87 of Collector's Quest. This episode is all about protecting and maintaining your video game collection. We're talking box protectors, cleaning cartridges, insurance, and even some 3D printing in there. Everything we talk about is just kind of the tools and things me and Johnny do, so if you have something we don't discuss here, whether it's a tool or some procedure, please just let us know. And that's not like a request to comment on a YouTube video or boosting our standings like that. I'm actually curious about the things that can be done to maintain our collections that we didn't think of. But if you're looking for unbridled promotion, your job this week is to find one other video game collector and tell them about the show. Build your downline, be your own boss, and you can advance from the simple salesperson level up to the Collector's Quest Blue Diamond level and really start building your Collector's Quest revenue stream. Uh, so thanks for that, and let's go! to another episode of collector's quest i'm tyler here with johnny hey tyler how's it going you know johnny uh nintendo direct right right no tyler stop it <laughs> stop it we said we would talk about what we're going to talk about first and then i'll let you rant this is what why are you putting me in a weird place where i'm the one telling somebody not to rant i I had to take control of the situation, Johnny. I knew yeah. that, that you would want to rein it in, because that's the kind of guy you are. You know, oh, yeah. Tyler, don't complain about Nintendo. You already... Last episode, you were like, yeah, it's totally cool that they're bringing all these ports to the Switch. More people get to play them. It's it's an awesome thing for video games. Tyler, what are you doing? I, I don't... Am I... It, what am do I doing? exactly what we said we weren't <laughs> going to do at this point of the show. I don't remember agreeing to anything. <laughs> Tyler? This is... This is Johnny. Look at me. Look at me. We're here together in this moment. We're moving on. Take a breath. I didn't hear you breathe. It would have picked up on my earphones. Okay. I'm probably going to edit that out now. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone hates breathing noise. Uh, okay. Now that you've taken this breath, let's, let's talk about how you maintain a collection because that's really our topic today. How you protect and maintain a collection. Oh, ooh. Well, Look at you getting all fancy. All the things. Sure. What what are uh, what are our tips to protect and maintain a video game collection? Like what is what is the most basic things we can do? Are are we going out of the order again? Is this no. is this happening, Johnny? Because are we? Because the first thing we got on our list is insurance, and I don't know well, that, if that's the most I basic mean, thing you can do. No, you you put that on, and that that's honestly like I don't. You always put these orders, and I always tell myself I'm going to check your order, and then I don't. Insurance is like the most complicated thing to suggest for people. 
Yeah, and if you look up all these forum posts on people and insurance, it's basically a big clusterfuck, and no one knows what the hell is going on. No, it, it's ridiculous, and video game collecting is one of the few like big expensive collecting things that are happening right now that you can't actually properly insure. I mean, theoretically, you can. You can take a rider out, like an individual rider for your collection if you have items that are over $2,000. You can insure them individually, theoretically, under your home insurance, uh, like you would, say, like a, an expensive ring or, you know, other piece of jewelry. But will they actually pay out for that? Who knows? So have you talked to your insurance agent about this, Johnny? Yeah, they won't. They won't. They just, they said they won't to you? Who do you They have? said, uh, I have USAA. They said, we don't know how to do that. Please call this other place, which was like a subsidiary of them that like deals with collectibles. And they were like, sure, I guess we could try to insure those. Great. But everyone has been, I mean, you've read the forum post that oh, everyone's yeah. like, I don't know if this would actually work. I don't know if, if I lost all of this in a fire, if they would actually pay out. I've actually heard of one guy I know named Jason. He had a flood in his basement and they paid him like dollars uh, for his collection. Like he lost some things and they paid him like market value, which is crazy because when I just had my flood game, they're like, no way are we paying anywhere near that for some like PlayStation 2 games that were messed up. They're like, we will pay you, uh, we'll pay you what you purchased them at. Which for PlayStation 2 games was a win for me. It was only like three. I was like, okay, I guess they were $50 each then. Because that's how much a new PlayStation 2 game would have cost when I bought it. And they were like $5 games. I was like, they're only like $10. They're like, no, you have to claim what you would have paid for it. I was like, uh, okay, uh, that doesn't feel right. And But okay, you just told me to do that. So that's what I'm doing. I mean, even if that happens to me, that's not like the worst case scenario because I, I bought most of my stuff in like the past three years online anyway. So yeah. if I if they have to pay me whatever I paid for it, fine. It's better than being like, oh, they're oh, you got what five thousand video games? All right, it's two dollars video game on the chart. Here you go. Well, a lot of times they won't pay you what. That's that's the problem. Like theoretically, they should pay you what what you paid. Yeah, what it's worth and how but, it costs to replace it. But a lot of times they'll just go, a new Nintendo game was $50, the end. doesn't matter what the value of that game was. Yeah. And, and so I talked to my insurance agent about it, and they're like, yeah, it's totally covered. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I've got video games that are worth like $1,000 for one video game. And they're like, yeah, it's it's a personal possession. It's on your thing. And I'm like, you're sure giving me this answer real fast and smiling a lot. And that's because I'm not asking you for the money right now. Um, I'm giving you the money right now. So, yeah. yeah, they've told me it's totally covered, and I don't believe them for a second. Well, they, they told me that, too, and they're like, yeah, and your personal property insurance goes up to, I, I don't know, a couple, like $100,000 or something. I, I forget what it, what it was. And yeah. I was like, okay, but that doesn't cover my video game collection. And then they were like, <laughs> hey, excuse me? I was like, yeah. Do you want to talk again? And that's when they're like, we should talk. We they're should like, yeah, you, you have a Switch insurance. and like a few games for it, right? Yeah, no worry. That's Oh, <laughs> you got a lot of games? What, he got like 50 of them? Huh, champ? Don't worry <laughs> about it. I'm like, mm. They're like looking at this grown-ass man. Like, wow, this guy cares about his fucking video games. Do you, do you want to know a funny thing that happened to me? I, I was do. talking to a girl about insurance, because I call every so often to see if I can get this right. And this girl was like, oh, my boyfriend collects video games. I was like, okay, cool. And she's like, oh, are you on Instagram? And I was like, yeah. And she texted her boyfriend while I was talking to her, and her boyfriend follows me. So <laughs> that was 
That was a weird thing that happened to me. Damn, dude, you're famous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm super famous. One day you're going to see someone with like a bag and they're going to be walking around with a collector's quest pin on it. And that's when you're going to know that you made it. I don't. I mean, technically, you will have made it then as well. That's true. I've almost been here 100 episodes, Johnny. We're, we're coming up in episode 100. Yeah, we're still a little ways away. All right, we'll start getting excited about that later. Also, I'll start yeah, getting yeah. fake excited about that because I've only been here for like a dozen episodes. <laughs> well, you're here and that's what's important, Tyler, so that's, don't knock it. All right. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so insurance, uh, our advice on that is try. Uh, there's a place called Collector's Insurance that will kind of work with you, hopefully, but really you should talk to, we're not insurance agents, but you should, if you are a collector, you should explain the breadth and depth of your situation to them rather than just have them make some shitty assumptions because that's what they will do. And like those collector's insurance places, because I looked into all that too, and they'll like insure comics, coins, like all the normal collectible stuff, but none of them can handle video games yet. It's so weird that we have, you know, there's like three places you can send to grade a sealed game and no one can insure them which would probably make a ton more money than just putting them in plastic boxes. Well, that's because video game collecting is still relatively new. That's we're still in our infancy. Like people like we we said we're going to talk about ages one of these days. And when we do, we will see that we are still in a relatively infantile like in collecting ages, like we're super young still. Yeah. 20 years is or 30 years is not much. I mean, people have really only been actually collecting for what 20 years if that. Yeah, that's not a long time. Not like stamps or comics and and things like that, which took a long time to get legitimized. Though they do action figures, which is like weird to me. But those got, I I don't know if that just had better marketing or whatever as a collectible. I guess that just feeds into toys, which have long been a collectible as well. So yeah, never mind. That makes sense. I don't know. I don't know. We need more collectible people on here, and they can explain all this shit to us because I, I don't know enough about there. Yeah, there there are. Uh, there are a lot of other collectors who collect other things, and we are, we're going to have an episode, I, I hope, I'm working on setting up an interview for us, uh, where we're going to start, I've threatened to do this, and, and we're finally, I hope, going to talk to collectors of other items, not just video games, as, you know, a couple special episodes. Our focus will always still be video games, but I want to do these special episodes where we bring in someone who is a big collector of another thing, and then we'll talk about the parallels in collecting, because collecting is a mindset I think that is shared uh, through many hobbies, and I think a lot of the things we do, we will find are similar. It's also a cool educational thing. So, like, you can hear about someone else's hobbies, and you can see, okay, I'm not an insane person for having a thousand video games. This guy's got two thousand of these things, like Hot Wheels or something. You don't have a thousand video games, Johnny. <laughs> no, I have ten thousand. Yeah. Nothing. I have a few. Do you know? Do you know what you can put some of those in though? Box protectors. Yeah, the. I mean, everyone the, knows box protectors. That's, this that's the most basic topic. Thing. Yeah, it's the most basic thing. You can <laughs> oh, do. it's like a good place to start the episode on, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> You're like, no, let's do the thing what that's like the flimsiest and that we can give the least amount of concrete detail about. Oh, cool. we want to talk about flimsy. Let's talk about box protectors uh, and how they're basically all the same is the one thing I have to say about no, box protectors. No, they are not. They are so fucking all no, the same. No, they are different thicknesses. You can't tell a what? good box protector from a bad box protector? 
I have a big bin of box protectors for everything. I've got them from Retro Protection. I've got them from Video Game Box Protectors. I've got them from eBay. And I've got them from AliExpress. And AliExpress is the cheapest shit you can get. And they are all exactly the same. No, there there's a few, like, the ones that have the tabs that you have to, like, click in. And, yeah, like, those... the film over it. Like, those ones are thicker, usually. Like, the... All right. The one I have that way is, like, in television, I have the, the ones like that. But... That's that's based on the style. That's not like the company I bought it from has a different thickness. But but there is a difference in the thickness of of some of these boxes. You can I have box protectors. Some of them are a lot more flimsy. Like maybe I'll do a video of it. But if you stack games on top of, if you just stand them on top of each other, you'll see the bottom box start to bow. Like the not the not the inner game box, but the outer uh, protector box will start to bow under weight. And I have other ones that don't do that. They are definitely different thicknesses. All right, Measurable don't, differences. Don't stack your games on, on top of each other, for one. Sometimes and you have for a picture. Box protectors are all the same for two. They, they, they aren't. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you buy. Like, if you're getting a Super Nintendo box protector, you really care if, if you get it from one of these sites for something. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying okay. there are different thicknesses. The, the benefit of some of the thinner ones is... They're all going to protect from like basic scratches. Um, at, under extreme weight, they're not going to prevent from crushing. They are going to prevent the most basic damage, but like really scratches and nicks. And if it falls off the shelf, you'll probably be fine. But uh, on the thicker ones, it's also then you can't get as many things on the shelf because they do take up, yeah. you know, a noticeable amount of room. Do you use box protectors like on everything? Some people use them on everything. I don't use it on everything. I use it on a lot of things. I would like all of my Super Nintendo games to be in box protectors. And I bought enough upper shelving to finally make that a reality, but I have to like shift things around. Okay. Yeah, I generally don't have them on almost anything. Like the main thing I would use them for is if I had like a real shit condition box, you can shove it in a box protector and it looks a lot better. But True, uh, everything does look better in a box protector. Unless you need to take a picture of it, then you got a fucking glare. Oh, I didn't. I didn't need to use the F word right there. Then you just have a glare. Wow, Johnny, you're just taking pictures of video games. You should just be playing them. Okay, let's move on from that as a <laughs> conversation, because you know I don't want to engage you on that. Hot Odyssey Two tip: Super Nintendo box protectors are a good fit for Odyssey Two games, because you'll never find anyone who cares enough about Odyssey Two for a box protector. Well, you just spoke to zero people on the, <laughs> that listen to this podcast. Maybe, cool. Maybe my Atlantis story inspired someone. Like, wow. Uh, you know who's gonna who, who you could probably get to collect that stupid system with you? Talk to Archon. He will. I know. He's a dummy. He'll he'll do it. He He's loves like, it. um, I'm out of space. I'm like, oh, Odyssey over here only has 49 games. So what are you gonna do about it? Yeah, he'll love that. He he loves collecting ridiculous things. He he'll help you out. Are you calling 3DO ridiculous? A- anyway, anyway, we'll we'll get there when we bring him on the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's the uh, what's another thing you do, crazy guy? So this is something I don't think a lot of people do. You're calling me crazy, but I have UV film on my windows uh, to block out UV rays, which fade reds, especially in a lot of ink. I also have UV film on my window. Oh, Johnny, you're so cool. Everyone thinks yeah. I'm crazy for doing this. No, I, I also have it. And like, you can actually just like, if you want, if your window faces the sun and you feel like you get too much light in, you can just put like tint on it that has UV protection. And then your room's a little darker and more, more uh, energy efficient as well. Yeah, and it's I got it on Ali. I buy everything on AliExpress, but it's like it was like fifteen bucks to do two windows with it, and it's because I have like all my nice Sega CD and Saturn games are facing the window, and it's like, ah, oh, 
I don't want yeah. those to fade. Those are. I also have wooden blinds on mine to cover up a lot of the light too. I mean, oh, there's still yeah. ambient light that comes through, but yeah, I I would not recommend just having like curtains, like open curtains facing your games. Yeah, I'm just paranoid. I have the same thing, and I have a bunch of wrestling autographs on display in my guest bedroom. Because, you know, you want to talk about wrestling autographs, Johnny? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't don't no. want those to fade. Tyler. What? No. I, I'll, I'm i going to let you talk to me about wrestling one day, and just so I can go talk to a few of my other wrestling friends. And they can be like, how did you learn this stuff? And then I'll be <laughs> like, okay, I just told you that. Now I'm going to go throw myself from a bridge. Yeah, no, Tyler. Yeah, so we're going to talk about other collectibles in addition to video games, like wrestling autographs, WWE, the uh, undisputed hold set. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. Are you one of, like, are you a major collector of those? Not at all. Okay, then we're not going to talk to you about it, because oh, you're not an authority. Okay, sorry. Right. Uh, I didn't need to curse there, though, by the way. No, you didn't. Uh, look, we're going to lose our clean lyrics filter. We've been a little liberal with the F word. I didn't realize we had a clean lyrics. Filter. We do. We <laughs> have like a little sticker that says we are clean lyrics. Oh shoot. <laughs> yeah. Shuck. Shucky darn. Anyways, Tyler, let's talk about part of that maintenance of games. Uh, let's talk about cleaning games. Can you tell some people some things to do if they plan on cleaning their games? Uh yeah, well, take them apart. Everyone obviously listening to this podcast should have a screwdriver because if you're using like a Q-tip and trying to get up in there that is definitely not as effective you should have a security bit for all yeah. every every cart you have not they don't all have different ones but you should definitely buy a kit that allows you to open all of your games it'll also protect you from buying fakes so do that yeah i mean there's like two there's like the i think it's three and a half millimeter for nintendo and it's like every nintendo game and then sega uses like a four and a half millimeter one for whatever reason because they're jerks they isn't there different, different ones bits. for game boy game boy is the same as nes is it yeah I've got two different Nintendo ones. I don't know why. No, Maybe they're the same. No, okay. NES, SNES, Game Boy, it's all the same. N64 too. And oh, all man, the other games don't two. matter because they're Sega games. And the only good oh. Sega game is on a disc in the Sega CD. That is not true. The Shiny, one of the best games ever is a Je- Shining Force. Uh, Shining Force Crusader cool Senti. I, I'm, I'm screwing around. I'm Musha. freaking around, Johnny, to keep it clean. <laughs> all right, Tower. Keep telling them what to do and not to do. So I am a huge fan of deoxit, and not enough people are, because a lot of people are like, oh, isopropyl alcohol didn't work, and then they move on to, like, Brasso and Stovetop Cleaner. What is what is deoxit? What, what does that do? What do you it clean with that? an electrical contact cleaner. It dissolves oxidation, and it it leaves a thin layer of lubricant on. Uh, you know I'm, I'm big on leaving thin layers of lubricant. That's when what you, she uh, said. I mean, people, you'd think that's a bad thing, but actually when you like slide it into the console, it like slides in all nice and easy and you could take it out all nice and easy now. It just, it's, it, Deoxit is the best. Deoxit D5. Okay. And why shouldn't you use things like Brasso? Uh, cause they, there's like a micron thick layer of gold on top of nickel. I'm not an electrical engineer. I don't know how electrical contacts work, but it's a very thin layer of gold. And basically when you're scrubbing it with Brasso and stovetop cleaner, you're scrubbing off that gold layer. And especially with Brasso, if you scrub hard with Brasso, it looks like black. So you're like, man, I'm doing such a good job cleaning. Look at how black my Q-tip is. And it's just like all the gold that you've scrubbed off. Yeah. And uh, for those who don't know, gold is a superconductive metal. I don't know if I should say superconductive. I mean, as in very conductive, because superconductor is, is a whole other thing. Anyways, 
it's a very conductive metal and it goes in a lot of electronics and you should not wear that layer off if you can avoid it and you can so don't it's impossible to talk to anyone about this either because if you clean your if you clean your games using a destructive method your games will work great immediately after you clean them because you've scrubbed off all the oxidation and everything else and it's only that the next time you go to do it it's like oh i guess i have to clean the game again because you're leaving it open to further oxidation now that you've destroyed the protective layer on it right i feel like everyone listening to this podcast probably knows it but it's such a pet peeve of mine because i hang out on like reddit and places where a lot of new collectors hang out and they all are like brasso's the fucking best freaking best (laughs) see now you're thinking about it oh god I can't. Yeah, do it's, it's in your head. It's in your head. It's in, it's you don't even head. normally swear. It's usually me. Are you kidding? Right, well, I, I on the know. episodes you don't usually drop the f bomb. Usually that's my fault. I didn't realize we're clean. Now, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, Jimmy. I told you it's in your head. I got it. I got it in your brain. I'm living there, setting up camp, son. I'm gonna really, be here forever. Yeah. Really sorry to all the nine year old collectors yeah. out there listening. Yeah, you know we do our best. What else can we tell them? We just, we kind of jumped, but we said you should have these screwdrivers. So what can you tell them about um, heat guns and Gugon? What are those good for? Yeah, Johnny, you should take the stickers off your game, which before the show, you told me that you don't. I don't take all the stickers off my games now. Some of them I do, some of them I don't. Old GameStop stickers are like the worst stickers ever made, and they're not worth fighting. Um, I have. No, they're actual, not worth fighting. They're the worst stickers because they're so ugly. The yellow ones—they're the ugliest stickers. Uh, they—they are. They are. They're atrocious and they're so hard to get off a game. I, I now, in my youth, and just picking up bulk lots, you get them. But now, as I like pick up individual games, if it's a dollar more, I'll just spend the dollar and not oh. <laughs> not fight that sticker. I spend more than a dollar to get a sticker. Like if it's a GameStop sticker, I spend like two or three dollars to to avoid it. Oh yeah, it it that sticker is obnoxious. So yeah. just don't just don't fight that one. But you should get a heat gun because that will remove stickers and Gugon will help you take these stickers off. But you have to be careful with a heat gun. Yeah, a lot of people would say don't get a heat gun, but I like using a heat gun. Yeah, you can also use a blow dryer, but like don't put it on like your cartridge label. Yeah, exactly. unless you want to peel off your cartridge label, which there are some shady people who will do that. And we'll talk about how that is not a protective measure. Um, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't overuse the heat gun. And don't, don't use heat guns on, um, on plastic. Like not, not like you use them on cartridges. Don't use them on like the Sega CD cases. Cause they warp pretty easily. Yes. And any DVD case just gets immediately screwed up when you put a heat gun on it. Yeah. So I- advice, if you've got like an Xbox game that you need to take a sticker off, take the little piece of paper out of it. Do not do it in the case because what you will do is like ripple the plastic like covering you can't i can't tell you like i i love when i find one i'm like well someone doesn't know how to use a heat gun this is cool yeah so yeah don't do that Uh, but also don't keep those spine stickers on from gamestop that drives me crazy when i see those like on someone's shelf like johnny might have i know archon definitely has a couple i'm actually looking at um some nintendo games right here nes games boxed that still have price tags on that i have not pulled off yet it's just like those old shitty price tags that are like cross-checked, you know the the cross. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. cuts. They have to like take them off four times. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't. Re- so you don't like do that scam where you switch a, a price tag on them. Yep. That's what that was. That's why they did that, kids. Because uh, people they were still do that at like Goodwill. I think they. Still yeah, do they that. still do that. I think everywhere. So but like most things, don't have 
like price tags properly anymore, which is good because I don't want your fucking stickers on my shit. Also, it's easier to put one price under a thing than price everything. You know, they used to do that at grocery stores. Things would have everything have like a price tag on it, which is crazy that no one thought to just put a tag on the on the end. Be like, this is three ninety nine. I guess we were all way dumber before I was alive, Johnny. Yep. <laughs> so what about glue sticks? Tell me about glue sticks. What are those for? What should I think this is mostly not controversial, but a lot like end labels like to stick up a lot, especially on homebrew NES games. They suck at putting labels on those. Uh, but uh, purple, like just regular purple glue sticks are great at sticking labels back down. Yeah. Also like some rubber cement or like a good glue stick for PlayStation one long box games, the cardboard ones, because that cardboard is coming off. It's just bound by rubber cement. It's not if or it's not like, will it come off? It will. It's when. And most of, so, you know, trying to get that back down. That would be considered a restoration. So, I mean, some people feel very controversial about that. So there's, I know there's a a Nintendo World Championship gray card out there that has a label going up. And like, if I ever bought that, I would totally stick that label back down. Really? You wouldn't just leave it alone? I'd totally do it. That would drive me crazy seeing that stupid label sticking up. Because if I bought, like, Nintendo World Championship, I'm not buying it as an investment. I'm buying it because, like, all right, I finally have this game. That label's going down. Getting some cheap uh, purple glue stick on there. And uh, here's an idea I just want to keep advancing for all the people who want to pay big money for stadium events uh, just to complete their set. Buy Nintendo World Championship cards. Way cooler. No, no, it's not. Uh, (laughs) You're just starting this fight because you know I think stadium events is cooler. No, stadium events is not cool. Nintendo World Championship, way cooler. Stadium events is the rarest Uh, licensed Nintendo game. So uh, what are we? um, What are we doing with sharpies? What's a sharpie? Nintendo World Championship. It's just another very rare Nintendo game. There's a bunch of homebrew that there's only a hundred of out there. They're they're not part of the set. They're a very rare Nintendo collectible on NES, just like Nintendo World Championships is. You could have got Lizard today on Infinite NES Lives for 45 bucks. There's only 100 carts of the limited edition. Oh my god, that is so rare. I could have Lizard. Wait, did it already sell out? Oh, the Am limited I gonna edition to... did, but the regular oh, edition is still no, for sale. I'm going to have to go to eBay and pay eBay prices. I've missed my one chip. I don't care about those, Tyler. Nintendo World Championships doesn't count. It is a historical artifact it's that a is really awesome. cool thing that is not as cool as awesome stadium events. stadium events is a shitty power pad game that they made another version of the exact <laughs> same thing and that you can go play if you want to and is it's garbage and it's the linchpin of an nes collection i don't care i i don't care about it i don't care about it at all people are like well your collection sucks then oh okay i know I my guess. collection sucks yeah never gonna people I are like oh you've got a complete nes collection i'm like no i, I see yeah, i lie i say i could have all the money and do it but if i had like all that money like if i just had millions and millions i would just buy it because like at that point who who cares about that much money but no I, I don't fault people for buying it i don't think it's necessarily incorrect to have it i just think the nintendo world championship cart is cooler and it's a historical artifact whereas that one is just like a shitty anecdote anyways sharpies well, How do you hold get on, sharp, for the record, no, no. NWC Gray is cooler than NWC Gold. That's a less controversial opinion, I think. But deal. I like the gold one. I like gold. Yeah, I like you had to do a lot to win that one. You had to win yeah. contest. Wow. Um, sharpies. 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 So when you have Sharpie on a game, 
how can you get Sharpie off a game tower? How do you how do you improve that that shitty writ on cartridge that you got that says, you know, Billy Smith, because his mom cared and didn't want you to steal his games. Uh, what? No, I'm not. You're not asking me this. This is a Johnny tip here. Okay. I'm not giving this one out because I I don't I don't fully trust it and I don't do it. You I, I use on. isopropyl alcohol. I get it 90 percent of the way there, and I'm like, it's good enough. Okay. Well, here's what you should start with. This use a sharpie. Use a sharpie over the sharpie. The 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 solvent in sharpie that allows it to be liquid will then dissolve the the sharpie that is already set and make it wipeable. You can do a few passes with that. Also. Magic erasers like Mr. Clean Magic Erasers are good for that. So that's like a, one of the ways to get Sharpie off of carts. I've heard that that works with dry erase markers, but you say it also works with Sharpies. So. I, yeah, I, my understanding of Sharpies, uh, I've, I'm, I want to say I tested that with a Sharpie and it worked, but you know, Google it, kids. Don't take my word for everything. Yeah, also take your uh, your black box games and just color in their worn edges with Sharpie. Uh, also, here, <laughs> like, let, let's logic out the risk here. Take a Sharpie. You've got Sharpie on this game. Right over the exact spot that has Sharpie on it. Oh no, there's more Sharpie on that exact spot that had Sharpie. The risk is pretty low. No, I agree. So, you know. My Miracle Piano box is all screwed up because the guy who shipped it to me shipped it in the box. And UPS just decided to write PP all over it, which I guess means postage paid. But now my Miracle Piano box just has PP everywhere. And... That's my story. Uh, is that <laughs> your miracle piano box has PP all over it? Yep. <laughs> cool. <laughs> my miracle box piano box was also shipped in itself. Like they, the guy taped it up everywhere too. I was like, "What the? P- why would you do that?" Like, well, so the ends don't open. Yeah, jackass, put it in another box. <laughs> Have you never heard of cutting two cardboard boxes apart to just make an outer cardboard shell? It's like, come on. That's what happened to mine. Looks like garbage. We had a big eBay fight about it several years ago. Yeah, poor Miracle Piano. It definitely ha- it's probably happens more to Miracle Piano than any other game. Yeah, because it's so cumbersome. And the way shipping rates are now, I like hopefully you find that thing local, because what a pain in the ass. Yep. Let's talk about games that come with foam. Wait, hold on. We have to go back. I was joking about coloring in your black box games. Johnny didn't call me out on it because he was thinking no. about his own thought. Nope, you should do that, Tower. It's the best thing. That Color is holy shit. Don't don't write on your goddamn games. When your box, like your black box Super Nintendo games, especially, you know, they get those like white creases. The best way to make them look perfect again is to fill it in with Sharpie, right? That's what you were suggesting. Please, please don't. <laughs> That's what you no, want also, everyone to go out. Also, to do. on the flaps, when you open the box, you know the the flap on the edge isn't colored in. You got to color that in, so it's just all black. You can't see any of the cardboard. Yeah, yeah, just do that. No, please, please. There are people who do this and think that it's okay. Don't, don't do that. Knock that off. Just spend more money on a nicer box or just be okay with how it looks or sell it for the condition that it's actually in. Because, like, by coloring it in with Sharpie, you are actually making it worse. You're the scumbag guy trying to resell, and he's like, hey, I'm going to make this look better for the eBay pictures. Pretty much. But that guy isn't listening to this podcast, so he doesn't give a shit. He wants to know how collectors are thinking, so he can, uh, he can trick oh, us. He want, he's invading our mind. He's like, I've got the, the upper hand. I'm going to metagame against these assholes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, maybe. Next level there shit. No, nope. 
Johnny, you wrote down Magic Eraser, which is something I almost never use. So tell me I, about Magic Eraser. I, I told you, I, that's the same thing you use it on Sharpie. Cleans up games. Yeah, but like it cartridges. also it wears down the texture on cartridges, so you don't want to use it too much. No, you want to use it with a very light hand. If you're trying to get a big Sharpie smudge off, like, and that's what I use it mainly for is when I get like a big Sharpie smudge. Like someone has tried to scribble out somebody else's name because you stole poor Billy's game and uh, you didn't want anyone to know it used to belong to him. So you just colored it in. All right. So you get a big Sharpie blob. So, uh, I didn't, it, I didn't, that's what the Sharpie things are on game. I never even thought of that. It's some kid who stole some other kid's game and then crossed it out. Yeah. That's like funny. they filled it in or it was like a video rental store and they didn't want that there anymore. So they just <laughs> made a, you know, a Sharpie box. No, Video Rama doesn't own this. I own this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Magic erasers. Like I said, light touch. So w- getting to CD based games, especially like Sega CD, Sega Saturn, PlayStation 1 long boxes. They come with that foam, right? Yeah, it's, it's important to have the foam in there. But let's let's go a little bit deeper than that. One, that foam is not going if your games are standing up, it's not going to keep the manual from curling. It helps, but it won't prevent the warping that you want it to. Please put like some paper towel or some bubble wrap in there. Kind of make that an even surface. The best way to keep it from like doing that kind of warping though is actually to lay their games on their face. And the spines are are made in such a way that you can actually lay these games face down and have a readable title on the spines. But yeah, that means you'll be stacking your games and it'll be harder to get to them. And then you're stacking fragile games on top, top of fragile games, which isn't ideal. And then and then they look stupid. And then if you don't have a foot, an exact foot at the end of your shelf, you have like this big gap at the end of your shelf because you couldn't fit a whole nother row of games in there. Yeah, no, it like they never... Shelves are not designed to fit those things. You can never, like, stack, like, six PS1 games next to each other. There's always, like, three inches of gap. It's awful. I'm not saying that it's the best solution. I'm just saying if you actually want that to be the the best way to keep a manual from warping, because people ask me, and that's the best way to do it. But aside from that, just go ahead and put a little little piece of foam in there or put a paper towel next to your foam or some bubble wrap that also works on playstation one games especially if they have a really thin manual to keep that in also keeps the disc from popping out i recommend just like a little square of bubble over that uh, cd spindle also helps it if it does fall from breaking the spindle things because that's annoying yeah and if you want to if the back of saturn and sega cd games if you want to prevent that from wrinkling up under gravity uh you're screwed and it's already wrinkled and you can't help it yeah same with like sega genesis games that insert like people love the genesis box they're like the genesis box is the best because those boxes never get damaged except for those inserts are always wavy they're always wavy and this is like one thing we didn't write on the document but i will say it real quick okay so when you have a genesis game here's the best way to protect the manual open it up and take it out turn the manual face down and then slide it back in that way, the spine is towards the little, uh, like, cardboard catch. Or not the cardboard, the plastic catch right there so the manual doesn't slip out. If you've got it, the pages open that way, which it normally is, you'll start to bend those pages. The spine will just catch it, and it won't bend or damage oh, the spine. I learned something today, Johnny. That's such a good tip. Yeah. Did you really not know that? I didn't know that, no. Yeah, so that'll protect... So any game that have manuals like that, like all the new... All the modern games... With in DVD cases and stuff. If you do that with the manual, 
you'll protect the pages from getting that annoying uh, damage that always happens to them. All right. Or I could just never open them ever again, because I have a lot of Wii games that I'm just never going to open the boxes ever again. Well, I mean, that's fine. But what about Genesis games? I can't find the manuals to Genesis games. They don't come with manuals. Can you find me a copy of Cheeky Cheeky Boys that has the manual in it? Uh, I could have a month ago, because I just sold an insert and a manual. I need... I'm trying to keep on top of, like, telling you the things I want. Like, half joking, half not joking. You, like, I, I still have a box of, like, 70 Genesis manuals. Just, like, keep those. Like, if you can keep my Cowlitz Gamer Adventure second or what, second adventure. Uh, oh, my God. I need to send that to you. If I'm, you can keep I'm, that, I'm you can keep person. those Genesis games until I decide I want Genesis manuals. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I've never asked for payment for that, but I will. I am sending it to you. Oh, my God. I'm an asshole. I'm sorry. sorry. I will get that to you. Uh, you you know my work situation like I know yours. That's just a product of that. But no, we'll we'll video chat uh, offline, and I'll I'll show you all the manuals I have, and you can tell me if you need some. Okay. All right. Cool. Anyways, let, let's talk about a three D printer. What the hell is a three D printer for, and how is that helping us protect or maintain our collections? Oh, it's more like cool for display stuff. Sometimes repair stuff. But yeah, I've got a I got a tiny three D printer. I've got the cheapest three D printer you could get at least a couple years ago the mono price mini it was like 200 bucks and the thing i use it for most is probably video games because i i print like all sorts of stands uh to hold stuff up on shelves i don't know it looks a lot nicer than going to the thrift store and getting some like photo holders and just having all these different mismatched things you can have everything nice and organized and uh you you also made that really cool fix for uh sega saturn games for the hinges yeah, like I'm not an engineer, but I just designed and printed a replacement hinge for Saturn games and like 3D modeling software, not hard to use. Uh, what else did I do? Like the analog NT is the cartridge slot is a piece of shoot. Uh, it is you can say ter- shoot, it's fine. It's terribly We're just trying designed. To avoid the F1. I know. I'm, oh, really? Yeah. I don't know how iTunes works. Yeah, the analog NT cart slot, it's a piece of shit. And anyone who says otherwise is a crazy person who's trying to justify their $400 purchase. But yeah, I made a, a little insert in that to snug that up. Uh, nice. And yeah, I have my microphone, the little volume knob on my microphone as a 3D printed part in it. That's not really gaming related, but yeah, I like 3D printers. Okay, so you can... What you're saying is there's a lot of useful uh, use cases for a 3D printer as a collector. There is. Okay, cool. Let's talk about this controversial thing you do uh, where you iron and press all of your boxes and take them from from b's to a pluses all right that is not true but i do have a t-shirt press that i use to press boxes to heat press boxes even so you take a crappy condition box you flatten it out and you you put it in a heat press and you know i i cook mine at like 160 degrees for 20 minutes and then i leave it there until it's cooled Otherwise, Make sure it the might center curl back is up. A, a nice pink. <laughs> just starting to brown. Yeah. And uh, it flattens boxes. It doesn't do miracles. It's basically the same as ironing, which I think a lot of people have been ironing games for years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the same thing. And it doesn't bring a B up to an A. But if you have an F or a D box, you could bring it up to a B uh, or like a, a C plus pretty, pretty easily. Right. So this is... You, one, there there is some risk associated with this process, right? I, I mean, yeah, you could, I guess, overcook your box. I did it to my Crusader of Senti box, so I'm, I'm pretty confident in my abilities right now. Okay. 
But I'm saying that they're like, if this is your first time doing it, maybe don't test it first on Crusader of Senti. Do it on something else. Uh, and just know that, like Tyler said, you're not taking this to an A. You're taking something that's really crappy and making it, you know, much more displayable, but it's never gonna, you're not, like, you shouldn't put your B game in there like, this is pretty good, I think I can make it better. That's probably not gonna happen. Yeah. This is for taking bad stuff and making it, you know, manageable. Yep. And before I started ironing games, like, I threw out a lot of boxes. Like, before video games got crazy and everything is super expensive now, but I had, like, a, a whole bunch of Atari boxes, like, they wouldn't really stand up straight on a shelf, and I was like, what am I doing? Freak all of this, and I just threw them all out, because I tried giving them away, but no one wanted them. Yeah, well, that was that was the world back then. I mean, still no one wants Atari games, especially That's because they suck. I actually have, I have, like, four Atari games. What about Atari Homebrew? Oh, blech. No, never. Do you really only have four Atari games? Do you have at least yep. Kaboom? Do you have Kaboom? No, I can tell you what games I have. I have Custer's Revenge, and I have um, Beat 'em and Eat 'em, and I have Pitfall and Haunted House. All right, you have you have collectible ones. I understand. Well, Pitfall and Haunted House are my two favorite Atari games from when I was a kid. So that's my nostalgia games, and then yep. the porn games are hilarious. Yeah, I just lost an auction for Burning Desire Bachelorette Party, which oh, I think no. you told me existed at some point. I'm like, oh, yep. this game is awesome. Yeah, they are really funny. I love the double enders. We've we've talked about that. I, I can talk about double enders all way because I think it's the world's best double entendre. <laughs> we could have a like, whole episode on double enders, uh, yep. except they'll all be Atari games and you won't want to talk about any of them. All right. Uh, we can do that in the two games on one cart episode or... We can do an episode like that. Let's talk about resurfacing discs real quick. All right. Resurfing, resurfacing a disc is a restoration. In a lot of other collectibles, if you resurface something, it loses value. So if you resurface a CD, that's not, it's no longer its original self. It, some people say it contributes to disc rot. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you if that's true or not. I'm just telling you that the mindset of collectors and other mediums think resurfacing is a bad idea and long-term hurts the value. They would rather see those original scratches and wear than a resurfacing mark on a disc. If you're just trying to play it, resurface the shit out of it and go to town. If you don't if you don't really care, then you know maybe leave it. Like I go to some game stops and I'm like, here this one's a little scratch, let me resurface that for you. And I'm like, no no no, just just leave it. I don't care. Because Long run, you if you really need it resurfaced, you can go do that later. Yeah, and so if you re- if you're one of these people who resurfaces discs for cosmetics, you're a crazy person. I think there's there's no reason to be doing that. Well, people do it for eBay auctions all the time. That's where you're going to find a lot of this. That's just nuts. I mean, if yeah. a disc doesn't boot, though, obviously resurface it. It's it's better to have a a working disc than this. Oh, it's scratched, but it's more collectible now. This scratched, right? No, that's that's not what we're saying. We're you know we're just saying people are like I'm gonna make this thing mint. Don't don't do that. And yeah, so I I generally do avoid resurfaced discs. Uh, I guess my big story is I, I think I've told it on Collector's Quest. Uh, I have Star Control Two, and I bought it, and it was already resurfaced, and it still had a scratch in it. And I got to this one conversation in the game, and I couldn't get past it because the game would freeze on that conversation. So. Like, resurfacing to me thinks like, all right, this disc has already been through hell and it still might not work. So I kind of don't want those games. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, as far as that, I just 
burn another disc and get through that conversation. Like if I came across a disc that didn't work for something, I, I wouldn't send it off to get resurfaced. I would just burn the disc and get through the broken part. Agree. All right. Uh, last, last couple things, tower back swapping and label replacements. How do we feel about those? Is that a good idea to maintain the value of your I mean, game? I mean, label replacements, no one, no one thinks label replacements is a good thing, obviously. Except like, label no, you're a crazy person. If you think, yeah, don't, don't thing. try to justify that. Well, people are like, well, it's a restoration. No, buddy. You just, that's counterfeiting. Just knock it off. Especially if you don't tell anyone. And most people, I'm not going to say most people do a bad job because people are getting so good at it now. It's, it's upsetting, but don't, don't do that. I would much rather have a shitty label than a fake label. As far as back swapping, I'm kind of neutral just, on it. Yeah, I'm just meh on back swapping. I mean, I don't really do it, but if you do, whatever. Just be careful. Make sure you get the right backs because they're not all the same. I had a I had a game crushed in the mail, and it was a duplicate, and I swapped the back on it. And I'm totally probably going to forget I did that, but I don't think most people care. It was like Mortal Kombat 2 on Super Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, if I had it, well, it, it goes back to that what we were saying. Like, if the disc doesn't play. Then resurface it. But if I have like a shattered shell or something on a Genesis game, it, I'm just yeah. going to replace it. Then like, why, why? I'm not saving any value there. Just, you know, if you can pick up a broken shell on a, on a, like an expensive game and get it for cheaper. Great. Then back swap it and you've done yourself well. I mean, that's where it kind of would bother me. Like, I wouldn't care if, if my own Mortal Kombat 2 has a swap back. I'm sure plenty of my Super Nintendo games probably have swap backs and I'd never know because so many of them look two-toned just to begin with. But like if I like my little Samson, like I want that to be all original, even yeah. if it had like the uh, the same style of back and all that. Like that's cooler as this is the original artifact, totally untouched. I agree. But my little Samson has uh, video rental stuff on it, and I love that it it's like that. I did not try and take any of those stickers off. No, get that shit off there. Nope, leave it. I like it, especially on the manual. I, I, I went through like a day sticker. where I was like, "Is it cool to have like video rental stickers from the '80s?" And I immediately was like, "No, no, it's not." I like them. Where do you guys stand on that? You you tell us. How do you feel about rental stickers? I, I feel like it in this day of like so many confusing reproductions, I think like those kind of stickers add a le- level of authenticity that you're just not finding now. I feel more confidence buying that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely if I'm seeing something with a sticker and it looks easy to remove and it's like in a... I mean, for me, that is easy to remove. Like, I'm definitely feeling better about buying that than a stock image of something expensive. Yeah. Okay. So that's, and, th- those are, do you have anything else? Or I was just going to say, uh, if you like GameStop stickers, I was going to give them step-by-step instructions on how to unsubscribe. Like you seem to like keeping those GameStop stickers. I, you might want to unsubscribe like from collector's quest. No, no, why would don't, don't tell anyone that we don't have enough viewers as it is. <laughs> we don't have any we, viewers. We, well, that's not true. We actually have quite a few. Really? I thought this was yeah. a podcast, not a video oh, show. Oh, God, shut up. You know what I mean. Listeners, don't, 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 Tyler, just don't. Not I don't need your shit right now. We, we don't recommend buying GameStop labels. Those things are hard and awful. We talked about that. Anyways, these are some of the things we, we do to protect and maintain our games and some of our tips for you. So this was our maintenance episode. Hope you got a few good tips on that. But Tyler, let's let's move to the other part of the show, and uh, let's talk about what we're buying and, and uh, what we're playing. All right. Well, it's it has been two weeks, and eBay is going crazy this month. 
because there's I've got I got 10% eBay bucks for the first time in my life. I didn't even know that eBay played favorites with how much percentage you get cuz some people got 8, some people got 10. And I got uh, I got stack up, I got a boxed stack up for the NES, which is a game that I always thought was the coolest thing to own. Like back when I first started collecting Nintendo games, I would always look for stack up in people's collections and I'm like, "Oh damn, they got stack up. They are serious." So it's really cool to finally have that. You saw my stack up and you're like, that guy's legit. I definitely, definitely something I would have looked for. Even now, yeah, it's something I look for. Archon sent me a picture of his stack up in the 50 cent bulletproof Kevlar vest. And that was also very cool. All right. <laughs> for for, for the everyone who doesn't know, the 50 cent bulletproof Kevlar vest is a very rare Xbox collectible. It was like a pre-order bonus for 50 cents. Little jacket that goes over the game. Anyway. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, going, this goes into, uh, into our topic. I bought Grindstormer on the Sega Genesis, which is a game that has a consistently screwed up PCB in it. So if you want to keep the game all original, it probably isn't going to work or eventually it's not going to work. And if you actually want to play it, you have to swap the entire PCB. Like the chip on the PCB has to be put into like a, a Mickey mouse game or something to get it to work. Yep, How do you feel about awful. that? Uh, you do what you got to do with Grindstormer. I, yeah, I swapped my chip, so my game is working. Um, that's game. weird as a collector, but I mean, like, I, I'm much more about having working games than about having, like, the all-original stuff. Well, it's a good game, too. Like, you guys should endeavor to play Grindstormer. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun game. It's kind of hard to find, and it, it's, it's a game that will go up in value largely because so many of them are dead. And they will, like, a lot of them are just going to die. You may have one that works now, and it may not work later. So, just beware on that one. You're deeper into the Sega stuff than I am. Is there like, is there this group of people? It's like, I've got an all original Grindstormer. It still works. I'm better than you with your swapped PCB. I mean, that's how I feel about you. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, mother freaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you asked for that one right there. You, you begged me to say that to you. Uh, are you serious? I don't care. I, I mean, I really don't care. I, I do have an original one. All right. I'm going to list up some more stuff. R-Type 3, Challenge of the Dragon, Sunday Funday, Operation Secret Storm. All real expensive games, but now I've got like $200 in eBay bucks for April. We're going to buy something else real expensive. Yep, I'm, I'm waiting. I did not go crazy. Like, we got all those deals, and I really wanted to go crazy, but I have not had all of the time in the world to go look at that stuff. So I bought like a few good PlayStation games. I bought X-Men Children of the Atom. I bought Battle Sport. Uh, that one sucked. I was so upset about that one because it was $30 and you need to spend a minimum of $50. I was like, ah, but I got a good price on that game. So I'm, I'm not too upset. Uh, Children of the Atom worked out. I bought like, like a, a sideshow figure, like a Hot Toys Star Wars figure. So that I got on, but that doesn't have anything to do with video games, but that's what I used my collector's money on. Sure. Must be nice to have room to display stuff, Johnny. Oh, oh, I'm sorry that I live in the suburbs and not in a... A city, and I have more space. I live in the suburbs, Johnny. I don't it's know what your problem is then. I have I'm a sorry, girlfriend who a doesn't weird... let me expand into. Well, I don't have a basement actually. Do you have a basement? I live in California. Of course, I don't have a basement. Okay, I don't know how California works. I know North Carolina doesn't have basements either. Oh, right. Okay, New York basements. That's not really the reason. California is just not a basement place. All right. What were we talking about? We're talking about all the great room you have and how you bought a Star Wars figure. Yeah. Yep, I did. That's. It's Darth Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin. I'm really excited. Anyways, no one gives a shit about that. 
yeah, I bought PlayStation games. I've been at a few video game events. I bought some Xbox games. I, oh, I got that Mario 3. I was very excited to get the first print of Mario 3. That yeah. was exciting. I thought you already had one of those. I don't understand. I didn't have the first print. I had the challenge one, and I had the second print, and I, then I was like, Ugh. I've been waiting to get this thing for a little while now, and I was like, finally. Finally, I found one that was in decent condition, because that's the other thing. If I'm going to own a Mario 3, I want it to be in like pretty good shape. I don't want a crappy one. Well, yeah. Best NES game ever made. Of course you want it in the There's There's a lot of shitty boxes you could have got. Like, well, I could have gotten, and I was just like, no, I'll pass. I mean, the good thing about Mario 3, it's not like you're never going to see it again, right? Right. And like I, I told people, I think it's like a 10 to 1, but really, I think the ratio on that might be more like 20 to 1. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's hard to find, but it's Mario 3, so it's still very much out there. Yeah, it, it's hard to find in the world of Mario 3, by Mario 3 terms, which isn't all that hard. Yeah. I, I actually, I think I, I said 10, I'm the one who said 10 to 1, and I think I was looking at carts on eBay. Okay. So I wasn't looking at boxes. It, it could be more boxes for yeah. whatever. I mean, I said that in my post. Maybe I was just copying you. but Copied me. Yeah, it, totally it, it's, copied more, me. it's more than that. So if you care, uh, my picture is up there and... Yeah, I, I like I like that I own all of them now, except now I have to find room for it. You have to find room for one more box, Mr. Star Wars figure? You're like, oh, one more NES box in, well, my, in my world of boxes. In my, in my office where all the video games live, that there's no space left. That, all right, like take, all out, the Nintendo take out shelf the other was... Mario 3. Do you have Mario 3 in there already? Yeah. All right, take that one out. Put the cool want, first print one I in. I want all of them in there. You're just being greedy now. Yep. I don't put the challenge edition one. I keep that in the system box. All right. You find another challenge. All right. Here's just a thing. You find a challenge edition Mario 3 in really nice shape. Send it over to me. No. Now you know. Okay. If I find one, I'll, I'll look. But you could just go on eBay and it's probably easier. Use yeah, your eBay I know. money. I know. Um, yeah. What are you playing? Uh, well, my mom was just here. We played 1-2 Switch. It was oh, like her favorite game. You found an game. excuse to play 1-2 Switch. Awesome. Yes. It was like her favorite game. And I'm like, Mom, you don't understand. This game sucks. And I actually paid money for it. You don't understand. She's like, they should have this at the retirement home. All right. Uh, other than that, I'm trying to uh, beat Galactic Attack on Sega Saturn within four credits. And I'm down to like seven credits. I'll get there. But what I mostly want to talk about is Sweet Home, which I beat on the Famicom. Because it's a crazy game. Like, there are horror games on the NES, but this is a freaking horror game on the NES. Yeah, I mean, it's Resident Evil. It is the predecessor to Resident Evil. Evil. I didn't know anything about this game going into it, and only after looking, like, after playing it a bit, I'm like, man, this game is Resident Evil, and I looked it up online, I'm like, oh, damn, this game is Resident Evil. Yep. Yeah, like, you, you play a party of five people, you're exploring a mansion, you're, like, creating a documentary or something, and there's the ghost of some child incinerating mom crazy person i don't know it's uh the only bummer about it is that it is an rpg so it's got all of the the cool horror adventure of shadowgate with all of the mind-numbing repetition of dragon warrior battles excellent news and it's got like love that so there's no heal there's healing items in the game but like you find them around and they're limited and there's no shops or anything so basically you have a limited amount of hp with which to beat the entire game and you can't heal so it's just you have to grind until you can one hit anything or else the random battles will just grind away at your life and 
uh, I don't know. It's kind it's kind of the first survival horror game ever made and I wish I liked it more, but the RPG stuff gets me down a little bit. Yeah, I didn't beat it, but I did play a good portion of it. Did you get up to uh hearing the screams of an incinerated baby burning alive and then stumbling upon its coffin and finding its ashes? I don't think I did. That was a part of a Nintendo game I will never forget. <laughs> I couldn't nice. believe what was, was happening in front of my eyeballs. You're yeah. like, what is this Nintendo? No wonder it didn't make it to America. It, oh, yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, so that that's Sweet Home. Go, I guess, play Sweet Home if you have a high tolerance for random battles ruining your day. Okay. I will tell you what I played. I also played a horror game. I If, if you follow me on Instagram, which you probably do if you're listening to this... You may have seen, but probably not because of the algorithm, that I bought uh, The Evil Within for the Xbox One, and I bought Evil Within 2. Really, I was told to go play Evil Within 2, but I didn't want to play the second one without playing the first one, so I was like, all right, it's not that long. Do people suggest you play the sequel without playing the first one? Come on. Yeah, yeah, I was suggested that. Play your games, people. So what I did was go buy the first one, and I beat the first one. I beat it last night, and uh, it was fine. I really wasn't into the first level. Like, when it starts out, I was just like, I was pretty over it. It was kind of gratuitous, and it it was like, it was super overwrought. Like, okay, I get it. I'm in a mental institution. There's a lot of blood. There's someone crazy. And then there was like, a chainsaw maniac. I'm like, okay, bring out the tropes. This is like the least original thing I've seen. But as I started to play it more, like, they kind of got away from that aspect of the story. And, like, it became less Resident Evil 4, more of its own thing, and, like, a, a semi-interesting story. I thought it was okay, uh, you know, like a C plus B. Uh, I thought it was fine. I, I enjoyed it. I played it through all the way, so that says something. And I'll probably play the second one. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. That wasn't a glowing enough review enough for me to go out and play it. If you were like, this is the scariest thing you could put into your PlayStation 4, like, maybe... I, I I don't find games like that scary. I mean, it definitely has some tense moments, and it's got some jump scares, but it it does that, that thing I hate in video games, especially in survival horror games, where it's got the gotcha kills. Like, you didn't know this was there, so you died. Like, okay. Like, how is that? It's like playing Mega Man and jumping down and then hitting spikes because you didn't know there were spikes there. I mean, it's just part of survival horror. That's just like the genre, isn't I, it? But it's not like a, it's not like a gotcha. It's like you're running and then you fell into this pit. And then this thing, because you couldn't get out fast enough, rolled over you. It steamrolled you. You're like, okay, like, here's my problem with like those kind of moments in cartridge games where it refreshes instantly. Totally fine. And I, I'm fine playing frustrated, stupid things. The Mega Man pit thing, you can teach yourself. Yep. Relatively quickly. What I'm not okay with on disc-based games is waiting four minutes or two minutes or even 30 seconds in between each load. You're just like, okay, all right, I just want to go back and do that stupid thing that, of course, I died on because you designed the game to make me die right here. But they wanted to show you their cool death little animation that they had for that spike trap. They wanted to make sure you didn't miss it, Johnny. It's content. You got to consume that content. No, what I want to do is just play the game without annoying load screens. So, like, you get what I'm saying, right? That that takes me out of the game. I'm no longer feeling tense. I'm feel now. I'm feeling annoyed, 
There, there was many times where I hit like a stupid moment like that. I'm like, yep, now it's time to go get up and get a drink and go do something else. I'm going to go see what's happening in that other room that this game doesn't live in. See you later. Sounds like the second half of Sweet Home, where you're max level, but you kind of have to explore the entire mansion. So you're backtracking through all like the low level areas. And every 10 steps, there's a... It's like, oh, you got into a battle, and then it's like a five-second intro. Like, what's the scary monster that's going to jump out? Oh, it's worms. And then all of your characters have to do an attack because it doesn't let you attack one at a time and kill it. Anyway, I feel like I'm I'm complaining about Sweet Home, but it is kind of cool game. It is kind of cool. But yeah, that that's why I don't like that. I mean, we can all get on board with that's annoying. Like, I I I like the blend of tension. Like, you could die, but also not being taken out of the atmosphere. Yeah. I think they don't do a good job of that, and I don't. I don't even think that they consider that they're pulling you out of their their ecosystem that they've built, this atmosphere that they've created for you. That they create this like ha, gotcha moment. Like it wasn't that funny. Suddenly, spikes killed you in the face. So now you're dead. Gotcha, bitch. Now, now do it again. Because it wasn't that scary. And you're like, no, that was annoying. Like, even if it was scary once or twice, if half your game is predicated on that, now I'm just watching loading screens. No, it would be real cool if it got made into a game. PT. Oh, yeah? I mean, yeah. That seemed like it had, like, actual horror stuff, and it was more about, like, the experience of a spooky, tense, creepy situation than, like, gotcha moments like that and having to restart. Kind of of having to restart anything in a horror game is a bummer. Because the second time you're going through anything, it's not as scary or atmospheric. Right. I w- I just want to keep that oppressive sense of tension. One of the most like tense moments I've actually felt in a game, I was playing Resident Evil 7 on the VR, which is not a game I loved. But playing it in VR, here's what happens. You go into a dark room, and you've got that stupid headset on. It's dark. There's no ambient light. You're just like, oh my gosh, it's really dark in here. I can't see anything. I legit can't see anything. And then, like, there's noise behind you and stuff. You're like, uh, that's creepy. Yeah, I can't handle that. Uh, yeah, it was, I was like, oh my god, this is, <laughs> like, because normally you're just like, I'm in, a, I'm a character and I went into a dark room. Big deal. I've got guns, whatever. Yeah, now you're like, oh, it's actually, dark. I can't see anything. It's actually, it's real dark. I can't, I can't wait until VR is good enough that I want to buy it. <laughs> Me too. Again. Until I can buy it again. I love the idea of VR. Anyways, we don't have time for all that. We also don't have time to rant about what Nintendo did. Sorry, Tyler. I I wasn't planning on talking about how they're just kind of porting everything. You know, it's not like I counted how many games they had, and and 10 were were ports or remakes. Uh, Four were existing long-running franchises that had a new entry into it. And uh, there were like, then there was Octopath Traveler and uh, whatever the other new thing was. There's a Dark Souls Amiibo. There's a Dark Souls Amiibo. I mean, Detective Pikachu is pretty adorable. Right. I will say that I am happy that there are ports. I maintain that because I'm not. Because I'm not an asshole. Because I, I, the ports are great, but you can't complain that Nintendo is bringing out nothing new without seeming like an asshole. Well, it look there. There is this like there was a, a real argument against the Switch because it didn't create games fast enough for people to play and the way the switch is sold it needs more games on the shelves and it needs more entry points for people so ports are great and i'm glad smash brothers is finally coming and i'm glad it's got the inklings like i said it would so yeah i'm excited for these things you think it's going to be a wii u port of smash brothers though i think so 
I think, or something similar. It might be a blend of the DS one and that. I, I don't really know what they're going to do. So I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm the one asshole who played Captain Toad. And I'm like, dude, just make some new Captain Toad levels. It can be the same game. Just give us something new. I get they it. Say, I'm the asshole. Did they say that there's no new levels in Captain Toad? I mean, whatever. If they put in five new levels, that's not going to be good enough. I want do a new like, game. I want Captain Toad Do you Toad like too. Captain Toad? Yeah, I like Captain Toad. Is your problem you like Captain Toad and you want more Captain Toad? I want more Captain Toad. Don't you think that this is a way for them to introduce people to Captain Toad and then make Captain matter. Toad successful people, and then be able to... people. They could just no. make the new game. It could just be the sequel. Call it no. Captain Toad's Switch Adventure. And if it's a good game, just as good as the first one, it'll sell just as well as the first one did. Look, you put uh, there was too many people who missed it. You give them and you give them the entry to the series. Like maybe they are making it. Maybe it's already in the works. But now you have something that leads up. You've got a, an established marketing base for it. You already have a customer clientele with an easy port, rather than trying to tell people about this thing that was on the Wii U. You're gonna be like, remember that game you played earlier, like two years ago? Now here's the sequel. Go play it. I know you hate just, all of my you good just, arguments. You just rehash games all the time. You made Adventures of Lolo. It's like, oh, let's do that same thing two more times. We made Mega Man. Yeah, let's just make the same exact game five more times. That's not true. Why can't they do that? Because Mega, Mega Man's got much worse. <laughs> Mega Man's got much worse? It doesn't yeah, matter. Man- I don't care if it's worse. It could be 75% as good as Captain Toad. As long as there's new levels, I'll still play it. Mega Man 8, the worst Mega Man game. I don't know anything about Mega Man, so... No, I'm no. one of those people who's like, yeah, Mega Man 2 is my favorite Mega Man. It's also like me too. one of the two Mega Mans I've beaten. <laughs> Mega Man 2 is the best Mega Man game. I love that one. It's my favorite one. I think Mega Man X is actually better. Anyway, all right, fine. Blech. Anyways, I think that's all we have time for. We're, this episode went longer than I thought. So I know we talked about this a lot before the show. I just want to make it clear to everyone that I'm not the jerk complaining about Nintendo releasing ports. I think it's great that everyone gets to play all these games. I just want something new. It sounds weird because if you just, guys, just rewind three minutes and listen to Tyler talk, and that will be a contrary opinion to what he just said there. Man, I just, I'm just going to wait two years. I'm just out on Nintendo for two years. I'll come back. They'll have all these great new franchises. And There's I'll so many fun in. games to play on the Switch. What are you talking about? I have five Switch games, and one of them's one two Switch, so it doesn't even count. Oh. And one of them's a Wii U game because it's Zelda. Well, Breath of Fire is amazing. I don't care where you play it. Yeah, Breath of Fire. What a great game. Anyways, and Mario Odyssey, super good. Breath of Fire 2, also a great game on Super Nintendo, right? Yeah. All right, I'll stop screwing around. Uh, Yeah, you're Johnny Ayuchi. I'm Default Jan on Instagram, and that's the end of the episode. All right, goodbye. (laughs) Bye.